0: you would turn with me to James, we're starting. We're continuing our series on James, and we're looking at James chapter three, verses one through twelve. James three one through twelve. Uh, we are, um, like I said, if you if you're new to our to this series, we encourage you to go to our website and you can catch up and listen. I, I there is no video of last week's sermon. I know y'all like to look at me when you're listening. And, uh, I mean, yeah, of course. And, uh, but uh, user error, I didn't hit record. So anyway, I did this time. I was very conscientious of that. So, uh, but um, anyway, you can go back and review. Uh, but uh, James is a, is a wonderful book. It's a book that, you know, where Paul is mostly speaking to those who are... Um, Typically his audience are people that are pharisaical, legalistic and he's showing like, no, 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 no. No, you're saved not by what you do. You're saved through God's grace by faith. And and James, we see, is talking to a group of people that yeah, yeah, I believe. But I really have to change. Is that I say I believe. and that, Isn't that enough? You know, to profess it? To know it? And he's saying, he's making the point, no, no. To really get the gospel, it necessitates, it, the, the natural result of faith, of a real faith, a living faith, is change, is sanctification. And um, he's pointing out the ways that the body of Christ is to reflect our Savior Jesus Christ. And he's, he's, we've looked at how it should affect the way we look at each other, that we should have a caring ministry, that we, sh- we shouldn't show partiality, that we should ha- be mindful of those in need around us and, and then he's going to also talk about how we should be in the world but not of the world like we can't just escape it, we can't act like it's not there but we have to, we have to make sure we're unstained by the world and he's going to talk about that but his focus is now on the way we talk the way we speak to each other um, and and that we should have a caring ministry, but also uh, careful in the way we we speak. And so that's what we're looking at this morning: a taming the tongue. So, with that said, let me pray, and we'll just read God's word together. Lord God. Um Uh, We we thank you for speaking so clearly and so fully to us in your word. We thank you for inspiring uh, prophets and apostles and men of God to to write down your word and to preserve it over um, the millennium. We thank you that we have a sure word from you. Um, Speak to us this morning. May your word pierce to our hearts. And may we be convicted and may we be encouraged and may we be changed in this hour. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and Does the spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear of olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The grass withers and the flower fades. but The word of our God endures forever. I have three, three points. Um, my first point... Is sticks and stones will break my bones, but words? Question mark. That's the first point. Second point is, and I'm, I've got this from Marvel Comics: with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and then, thirdly, and this is a little less fanc- fanciful, but at the po- to the point, taming the untamable. So. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words, question mark, with great power comes great responsibility, and then finally, taming the untameable. Um, I'm just saying, have you ever said that? I'm just saying. That's the title of the sermon. I'm just saying, what does that mean when we say that? I'm just saying. Um, well, here I looked it up. You know, because the internet's reliable and all things. Uh, No, it's not. But this is, this is, I promise. Um, It's used, you know, this is, look up, you know, how phrases are used. It's used when you're making a criticism or complaint to make it less likely to offend someone. Some examples. I'm just saying, I think it could have been done a little more carefully, that's all. I'm just saying. Isn't that a bit small for you? I'm just saying. Uh, People write, they've written articles on this uh, phrase. Uh, I found one uh, by uh, a PhD, Lynn Margulies, and her title of her article is Defending Against I'm Just Saying and Other Verbal Annoyances. That's what she says. She goes, often the remark preceded by I'm just saying is unsolicited and provocative. I'm just saying creates a confusing interpersonal dynamic. The speaker unconsciously attempts to trick the listener into believing an altered reality in which he or she is blameless, and the listener is implicitly accused of having an unfounded reaction. In this altered reality, both are supposed to pretend that, one, the speaker didn't really say anything upsetting, two... I'm just saying, the phrase magically neutralizes any negative reaction. And three, the speaker can say whatever he or she wants as long as it's followed by, I'm just saying. Then no one can hold the speaker accountable. A similar ingenuous use of the phrase is when someone says something and then feels exposed. For example, Kathy raised a suggestion to which her friend said sarcastically, like we don't already know that. In this case, Kathy took a risk to contribute to the conversation, and then felt foolish when her friend reacted as if her idea was stupid. "I'm just saying," Kathy replied. Here, Kathy used the tagline in attempt an attempt to save face. The trickier situation is when people use "I'm just saying" to disclaim an offensive comment. So, the next time someone uses the "I'm just saying" scam, be armed and shoot back. I know. And I'm not sure you recognize that what you just said, what you're just saying, is actually offensive. And depending on how irritated you are, you can always add at the end, Hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, that's not thus saith the Lord, don't do that. Anyway, but I, uh, I want you to get how we... That's just one example of how we really don't think words matter. Or we think culturally that we can say something and we can just take it back or disclaim it. But it, we all have been on the other end. Like We know that doesn't erase the offense, does it? You're not going, oh, that was kind of harsh. Oh, you're just saying, okay, thanks. You know, that never happens. That never does emotionally... It doesn't, that doesn't neutralize or make you feel any better it makes us feel better but when we say something we are like oh maybe i shouldn't have said that and we you know you ever done that say you know, oh, can i pull the words back you know i'm just saying you know i it, it does, it's, there's no delete button you know it doesn't there's no backspace um but it's not just that but we we really do culturally people's speech the things they say will say anything we've 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 gone, so far we've, we've clung on to the right of free speech in our country that it's like, I should be able to say anything I'm thinking, regardless of who it affects, because that's my right. But James says what? Words matter. What you say matters. Words are Powerful. This whole sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. They hurt worse. Bones break and heal back stronger. But words can create wounds and scars that never mend. So... Words cannot or throw away. We can't just erase it. We can't just... There's the phrase, I'm just saying, makes no sense. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. Of course you're saying it. And what you're saying has meaning. And it means something to me. And it affects me. And it affects you. Words matter. With great power comes great responsibility. And that's when we get into the text here. Um, look what he says. I mean, it's obvious that, that James cares about and that we as Christians should care about what we say. He starts off with what? Um, under this heading of with great power comes great responsibility. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Um, Whoa! Okay, you know, for me, for Rick, um, Daniel, uh, that this is this really strikes strikes us through our elders and people who are teaching and teaching Sunday school. Who? Uh, wow! This is this is intense, isn't it? We should not. He says, "Not many of you should become teachers." And you're thinking, "Is he talking to me?" And um, and that's that's what you should think. That's his point. Like, hey, hmm. Should I, is that something I should rush into? Uh, often we think about this verse as being strictly about, are you a mature Christian? Do you have enough head knowledge about the Bible? And I think that's part of it. Um, uh, do you have accurate uh, orthodox theology? Uh, we don't want someone just stepping in and, and you know, hey, I, I like to teach. Okay, get in there. Talk about the gospel to people. I, have, have you learned it? How long have you been a Christian? Things like that. Those should be asked. Um, in Second 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul reminds Timothy, um, he says that you, you, it is important that you are rightly, the King James says, dividing the word of truth. But the ESV says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So there is this idea of, what you say, especially from, a, from a, an officer in the church or a teacher in the church, is vitally important. You're going to shape minds and hearts and, and affect how they view God and their salvation. That's so very important. And there needs to be a maturity and a knowledge before someone begins to, let me tell you, let me proclaim who God is. Um, and so I think that applies. But I think it also is, is applies to just being careful in day-to-day conversations. You know, this, when I hear this, I'm going, okay, it's not just am I prepared when I come to the pulpit, but when I speak to you, when we have interactions, when I speak to people at the grocery store or people in traffic. Anyway, am I conducting myself in a way that you go, I, I think I can trust this guy on Sunday morning. That when this person comes alongside and says, "Let me let 's talk about serious things that you 're going no they 're reliable and they they and they they 're loving me, and do my words convey in my day to day conversation something other than that and uh, if i 've ever offended any of you, this passage says i I'm, I'm, I probably have, <laughs> but if I ever have i 'm sorry you know and 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 but we're called here to... It matters, not just when we're teaching theology, when we're preaching, when we're teaching the scriptures, but all the words in between. How we speak, how we conduct ourselves. Um, so teachers, verses 1 and 2. There's a great power that comes with that. And again, the power is not in that I think I have such authority, you know, as an ordained elder. I do have a responsibility, and, you've, and I've been entrusted with a responsibility, but the powers in God's Word, and if I ever misrepresent God's Word, or conduct myself in a way that reflects something other than who Christ is, well, that's sin. And I failed. Um, so teachers teachers don 't be quick if you are here today and you're like i 'm good at i have the I think I have the gift to teach, but you 're a young Christian, wait, hold off if you are apt to teach and you 've got some stuff in your life or unresolved conflicts or you, hey don 't be quick to do that, but be, be quick to repent, be quick to reconcile, but be careful, so it has power power in that Again, especially those who are teaching in the church, there's, there's responsibility and power because you're saying, you're preaching, you're proclaiming, you're modeling uh, the Word of Christ. But the second way we see that this has great power is look at verses 5, the second half of verse 5 and verse 6. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Um, It has the power to destroy. You think, you kind of read that and go, man, he's really being hyperbolic, isn't he? The tongue is a fire. Um, Wow. Uh, That can destroy. How does that work? Well, you know, I talked about bad teaching in the church. Or wrong teaching in the church. If you go back to Second Timothy two, uh, right after verse fifteen, this is handling the you know rightly handle the word of truth. He goes on to say, Paul, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymeneus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth. Saying that the resurrection has already happened, they are upsetting the faith of some. And so you see how wrong teaching, bad theology, bad, you know, unorthodox teaching, relying on your own understanding, just assuming you understand, and how it spreads like a fire, like gangrene, is what Paul says. And we have to be careful. Um, there are many examples in church history of. Heretical teaching that have led many people astray and so there's that you have to be careful and in the PCA I'm not this isn't a brag or anything but you know there's a lot that that for teaching elders have to go through to get up to this pulpit we have to um, have a session in our home church say we think this guy has gifts of teaching. We think he's a mature Christian. He's been in our church long for more than six months. We want the, the Presbytery to, to, to examine them and 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 to help them uh, grow. And then we're under care of the Presbytery and we have an internship that could take anywhere from a year to two years, and then we're required to have a seminary degree and learn about that. And then and then after all that we have to be tested and turned in papers and they need to hear us preach to make sure we don't just know it, but we can actually teach. And then After we do our oral exams and our our written exams, then they let us become preachers. And somehow I squeak through. Anyway, no, but I'm... And and then we have to learn, after all that, we don't know it all. That's the hardest thing, right? Anyway, so then we go, oh, this is a lot harder than the test. Anyway... um... But, uh, you know, it matters. And and in our denomination, I'm I'm grateful that we take steps to make sure that we don't have, we have people qualified to teach. But also, it's, I think it applies, again, just like the word, words matter from the the teaching, but also just interpersonal stuff. Uh, We know that words hurt and can spread like fire and destroy just interpersonally, right? I mean, in the most intimate of relationships, uh, the marriage... Um, husbands and wives in the room, how, You know, you, I know you, you love each other, but how many times have you again said something in anger, frustration, and you're like, again, trying to grab the words and put them back in, you know? And it can be devastating. It, it, it's something just... And it, I love this person, but yeah, I, I said this thing that's really hurtful. I spoke in anger. I spoke with impatience. I spoke with just very selfishly. Um, think about... Um, People in school. Those of you who are in school, middle school, that are still in the room right now. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, 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 Betsy came home the other day uh, from school and uh, she goes, "So and so doesn't said they're not my friend anymore." And you know that that happens a lot in kindergarten. It's kind of like a daily thing. You know, your friends align and realign. It's, it, you know, we were we didn't overreact. We didn't call a Chip or anything. But it was it was you know it it was hurtful. You know. She's like, why would not somebody not want to be my friend? And see, as a kid, you can express that and feel it. And now it's like, you don't, you know, someone says something dismissive. Someone makes you feel um, uh, wrong. And uh, someone uh, always criticizing you, whether it be a, a a parent or a mentor, a classmate, bullying. I mean, words, really, uh, not just Words of authority from from the pulpit, but just those day to day conversations. They affect us. You know? Hearing at a young age, you are beautiful and loved, versus you're not going to amount to anything, that can greatly change a person's trajectory. Can it um, it's, it's, they 're powerful, um, and so so we also see the power of words and that they can destroy, but also they have the power to steer your life. Look at verses three through five again. Um, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Look at the ships also. They are so large and they're driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Words can destroy but words can steer. It, it can affect the way you see the world, the, your actions, and what and how you conduct your life. Um. So you you got to be careful who who you're listening to. Um, and you know, again, I'm I'm thinking about we're doing our their youth are meeting tonight at the graves, and thinking about our young people, and thinking about college students. What what words? Who are you listening to to guide your life? Um, and, and that, that really is that that is how we make decisions it's, it's it's through words it's through ideas it's through philosophy through truth and like who am i where am i what's my purpose where am i going we get all that we, we all that is in the in the realm of words you know you don't think about those concepts without what words and speech and so all of knowledge is based on language and speech and and that's how we process so you think about that. It's it's so it's so vital. And so externally, what what what's guiding us? What's you know I said about that kid who hears either you are lovely and you are wonderful and you can do whatever you set your mind to in God's providence versus you're worthless, you're you never you never match up, you're never good enough. That can that can steer a person to think I'm going to aspire to great things, or I can just I have to settle settle for a job, settle for a spouse. You know, it, it can change them. It can steer their life. So who are you listening to? What what words, what speech are you letting dictate life and steer you? How are you speaking to others? Are you mindful of that? Parents, I'm one of them. What we say has a profound effect on our children. Um. What we say to each other, as, even as brothers and sisters in Christ, has a profound effect and can change the direction of someone's life. But also I want to think about this. I want you to think about the etern- internal speech. Not just what are you saying to others. Sometimes we look at this taming in the tongue and we go, hey, you shouldn't curse. Don't say bad words. that's good but that's a very surface read of this this is so much deeper than that um, I have found when I'm I don't know this is kind of colloquialism you know when you're acting ugly don't be ugly to each other y'all say that I say that say that to my kids don't be ugly and when I find myself reacting or speaking in anger or speaking harshly or being sarcastic I'm, I'm a sarcastic person. You can be sarcastic, it's funny, but you can also be sarcastic with very cutting, you know. I realize that that's not just something that just happens right here with my tongue, but I'm usually being very ugly and mean to myself and critical to myself. There is this internal dialogue we have all the time, isn't it? And I'm not talking about some kind of like schizophrenia or you know bipolar. I'm talking about like we we're always talking to ourselves about who we are and what's going on and and we're always interpreting in with words. And you know I don't know about you, but like there are times when I like when I know I've messed up and I go inside my head. I'm going, come on, Grant, what's wrong with you? Do y'all do, do y'all think that about me? No. About yourself? Do you think that about yourself? Do you ever, is your internal voice like shaming? And when I'm in that mode, guess what I do? And my children can go, oh, yeah, I do that to them. You know, out of, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and so, it's not, it's about what we say, but what we're thinking. And what we're saying to ourselves and and the words that, is it coming from my own sinful broken brokenness, my flesh, or is it from the Spirit? And so, yeah, what you say makes sense, it has a profound effect on the, people around you and can hurt them and, and, and the words can destroy and they can steer for good, we're going to come to that in a minute, or for bad. But it starts with how we're thinking it starts with what words whose words are really shaping your perspective and that brings us to our last point here taming the untamable um, you read read verses 9 through 12 and it seems very hopeless right look um, you know with our tongue uh, well first of all because it's, it's, uh, he says with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in our likeness And he, I mean in the likeness of God from the same mouth come blessing and curses my brothers these things all ought not to be so and then he talks about um, before that um, he talks about you know we can tame everything every living thing you know we as humanity can tame you know you ever been to SeaWorld see those dolphins dance on their tails across the pool like that's pretty impressive, right? You ever seen the guy stick his head in the mouth of a lion? I don't, I don't get it, but he, he, you know, he trained that lion not to um, have lunch right then, you right? And, and you know, and think about the horse, you know, and you know, and just think about all. I mean, it's it's true, right? Um, some people wrestle alligators. I don't get that. But anyway, uh, but all the things, you know, apparently that was happening then. I don't know if there was a circus then. But um, we, we, we tamed all that, but we can't tame this. Um, our, our, we're consistently inconsistent, is what he's saying. There's con- consistently inconsistent in the way we speak. We praise God, we curse man. We we we. It, it, it makes no sense. Can can you get fresh water from a salt from salt water? No. Can you get a uh, Can you get olives from a fig tree? Can you get figs from a grapevine? Can you get fresh water from a salt pond? No. None of that. None of that makes sense. But yet, our tongue, our our heart, the abundant outflow of our heart, it's this consistent inconsistency, consistently inconsistent, and um, really, this echoes what Jesus says. In Matthew twelve thirty three 33-37, he says, "...Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit." And he's speaking to the Pharisees, he says, "...You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word they speak." For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Man, um, you read that and you recognize that not, it's not just the Pharisees, it's true of you and me. What, what can we do? And the, and the answer is we can't do it. We can't tame the tongue seven through eight says, for every kind of beast and bird, I just read that, but no verse eight, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It reminded me of Romans three, thirteen through fourteen. It's Paul is talking about the depravity of man and our unrighteousness, and he qu- he's quoting other Old Testament texts. He says, "Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive, the venom of asp is under their lips, and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness." It's true. If you're honest with yourself, the Spirit has given you that insight. You can see your own sinfulness there that we are consistently inconsistent. And as much as we try within ourselves, we can't, do not have the power to change that. We can't tame it. That's what Paul goes on to say later in Romans. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. I'm not saying that you don't want to speak well of others. I'm not saying you don't want to stop cursing or gossiping or, or putting people down or putting yourself down or or, or doubting the gospel and, or, or whining and complaining and grumbling as the, as the Old Testament believers did. I, I know that you want, as a Christian, to stop, but what Paul says is I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see my members, even including your tongue, uh, uh, in my members, another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And so as we come to this, as we come to this reality, as we come to man, no one, no one, no man, no person here can tame your tongue. The good news is that isn't the last word on how we use our words. Because Paul goes on to say in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's something that we have to humbly come before God and go, Lord God, I can't do this. I sin in my thoughts and in my words all the time. The things I say internally to myself, to, and think about others, and the things I actually give voice to. I can't do this. I need your help. This passage—it's like—it's so it's so—it doesn't poorly punches, does it? And there's not a person here. Because no man can tame the tongue. There's not a person here that can read this and go, yeah, I got that. No, that's not talking about me. So if you feel real convicted, good. <laughs> I do. But there's an answer. The answer is, I can't do it. But the Lord can you, uh, child of God, have been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You are now empowered to change. That Christ is at work in you. You no longer are, your, are, are yourself, but you are now uh, renewed, alive in Christ. So now, you and I can begin to fight this. Like, it, it would be mean if James is like, you know what, y'all can't do this, and... Uh, Just want you to know, there's no hope. (laughs) But he is saying, you can't do this, but there is one who can. He's calling us to do something that Christ empowers us to do. In the power of the Spirit, the challenge for you and me is to now fill our words, our thoughts with God's Word. How do you fight the negative speech that's come at you from the fallen world even from people that you love even your friends how does that how do you fight against those negative words those destructive words how do you fight against your own destructive words in your own mind your doubts your anxieties your shaming guilty thoughts how do you fight against that you, you, you fight you combat that with a better word a better talk. A better speech. Fill your words, your thoughts with God's word. Go back. Look. S- fill your thoughts with this. From our, our call to worship. This is why we do. Somebody's like, why do y'all read so much scripture? Like, when we get to the sermon. I've had people, you know. Well, this this is life-giving. What? Look. Remember this. This is. End of the call to worship. That we have a God who speaks a covenant. He has made a promise, and He remembers it, and He keeps it. And the promise is a covenant of eternal grace. A covenant of grace. I will love you, I will take care of you, you will be my people, I will be your God. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I'll provide a redeemer, I'll provide a great king. And that is Jesus who has come. He keeps His word. He has made a promise to love you and be gracious to you, and He keeps it. That's thus the word that needs to shape our thoughts. Remember the assurance of pardon. See what love the Father's given us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You're not the sum total of your failures. And neither is that person sitting next to you. Neither is the person that you're married to. Neither is the person that, you, that you're parenting. Neither is that coworker. Neither is that fellow church member. They're not the sum total of their failures either. But you can't think in that way until you realize you're not. That God loves you and forgives you and is gracious to you. And out of the overflow of that, we can speak words of grace and love and righteousness to one another. Again, are you convicted? Are you convicted about how, we, how you speak, how you talk? Are you overwhelmed with the power of your words and, and what they can do? Good. Are you, are you convicted about your neglect of making sure you understand the Scriptures rightly? Are you, are you, are you convicted about your rash words to your family? Are you, are you convicted about gossip about your neighbor? Good. Look back to the beginning of the bulletin. There's a, other reflections from Proverbs twelve eighteen. There is one whose rash words are like the sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We as God's children should be wise and careful with our words but you and I so often fail. But here's the good news. The author of Hebrews says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I love how Christ, in Christ, that, pro, that, that, that that line from Proverbs, Proverbs comes together. <sighs> that the that the powerful sword that you know again, words are powerful, but Jesus wields a sword of truth that doesn't pierce and destroy because it's guided by truth and, and and wisdom incarnate, and it changes us and conforms us to His image. changes our heart, our thoughts and intentions of the heart which thus changes the way we speak to ourselves and to one another. Mark 2.17 it says when Jesus heard it he said those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick I came not to call the righteous but the sinners. If you recognize you're a sinner this morning if this convicts you as it does me Jesus came to help you to heal you not to use the sword to, to damage and destroy, but to pierce to your heart, to convict you, and to show you your need of Him and of your hope in Him. It is His Word, His good Word, that has the last say. Jesus, the most holy, wise One, His words, His speech, brings conviction and healing and sanctification. And the more that happens, the more we'll be convicted of harsh words, the more we'll be aware of harsh, wrong thoughts, and the more we'll be able to speak words of life and love and grace to one another. A wonderful example of that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask Joseph this, but uh, I'm going to use this. It's going to be okay. Uh, Joseph, uh, here's an example, just a random kind word how it's changed. Joseph got through with a soccer game. And the opposing team, a player that he had been battling and been knocking each other down, you know. He came up to him and said, you're the best center back I've played all year. And that good word from a guy on the opposite Changed it. He, he's like, I, I could do this. I want to be the best soccer player I could be. And that, see that, that positive word change. So again, that's not spiritual. I mean, it's just about soccer, but it's, it, it it transformed his thinking. And so, we want to be that for each other in all areas of life, encouraging, gracious to each other, helping each other, pointing each other to the truth that. You no. Know, I'm not great, you're not perfect, but Christ is, and we're going to be okay, and we're going to restore, we're going to speak well, we're going to speak graciously to each other, because those words bring healing and comfort and help. But again, how do we do that? We rest in God's Word more and more and more, and let His speech direct and steer and transform our lives. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank You for this, Your Word. We thank You that for You... um, Rattling the cage for you, speaking truth and, and not pulling punches and telling us, "Man, this is beyond you." But it's not beyond um, it's not beyond you, O oh God. It's beyond us, but not beyond you, Lord. Meet us, forgive us for our sins, forgive us for our harsh words, forgive us for for um, the ways we. Um, bless you and are inconsistent with our words and, and hurt one another meet us, forgive us we thank you that we have forgiveness in you we pray that this meal that we're about to partake would just drive this home to us that we need to turn away from, from the sin of, 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 of gossip and, and cursing and, and, and being harsh and, and, and destroying people with our words we need to turn from that and be transformed and Lord we thank you that you came, that you died for those sins, and that you, by, the, by your Spirit, are transforming us, are convicting us, are helping us to think more in line with your word. Do that in our midst, and do this um, more and more. Help us um, to help one another in this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.